0: Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to another bonus episode of the Urban Farm Podcast where we bring you conversations with experts in fields related to urban farming and dive deeper into some of the most important issues of our times. Nature doesn't waste energy and by using these natural cycles to work in our favor, we can harvest both plants and fish. Let us teach you how. Just text GROWFISH to 33444 or visit IWantToGrowFish.com and you will receive our free webinar on how to grow your own fish-powered garden. Today on the bonus podcast, we have a previous podcast guest, Brendan Gogren, to discuss healthy living in a toxic world.
1: Welcome, welcome everybody. Greg Peterson coming to you from the urban farm in the heart of Phoenix, Arizona. And today we have... Brendan Gochran, to talk about nutrition, liver, and gut health and how that all applies to growing our own food. Brendan holds a degree in molecular biology from the University of Connecticut and his MBA from Bentley University. He has spent 15 years in the healthcare field and was an executive for a major nutraceutical manufacturer before starting multiple companies of his own, the latest being LiverMedic. He conducts health lectures to both physicians and the public His research focuses primarily on gut health, liver health, endocrine system, adrenal fatigue, and optimum diets. Welcome, Brandon.
2: Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate being on your show and uh, getting to hear your listeners.
1: Absolutely. You know, we we did a podcast a couple of months ago, and I so loved the level of conversation that we had and really the importance of the level of the conversation that we had to our really everybody's health these days. So for me, it was a slam dunk when it came time to bring in an expert on a topic. I wanted to talk to you again.
2: <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thanks yeah, very you very much.
1: You bet. You <laughs> bet. I have a question, and it's really more of a ponderance for you. And I've said this for years. And I've also talked to multiple doctors and nutritionists about this and kind of gotten their buy-off on it. And and when I say doctors, I'm, I mean actually medical doctors. And what I say is that there's three things in our culture that cause 100% of the disease. I know that's a bold statement, but I really feel like it's the case. And those three things are lack of nutrition in our food, environmental toxins, and stress. I'm just going to jump in and ask you for your thoughts on that.
2: I would say that I completely agree with that. There's absolutely nothing that you just asserted that I would disagree with. And I, you sort of listed the things that I typically discuss, liver health, adrenal fatigue, inflammation, all those things that we typically Think about when, when we are concerned with metabolic syndrome. Mm-hmm. That is the ball game. Those three things that you mentioned is pretty yeah. much what's going on. So just real quickly, I'll just highlight these things and sort of kind of reiterate the reasoning behind your assertion being absolutely 100% correct. Uh-huh. The diet is sort of the standard American diet we talked about before, the SAD diet, right?
1: Yeah. Um, that yeah.
2: ends up sort of, <laughs> that changes the whole microbiome. And when you change a microbiome, uh, and that's a fancy word for basically the bacteria that you were given at birth, these friendly bacteria, and again, let me remind the listeners, we are 10 to 1 bacteria to cell. Wow. So we, we need these bacteria and yeast in our body. They have a symbiotic relationship with us. They break down nutrients into smaller constituents. Those are the things that our body recognizes and utilizes. Uh-huh. So there, it's a, And it's a very vast and complicated network to the point to the degree that we hardly are sort of scratching the surface as uh-huh. to how complicated this community is. So uh-huh. when we go ahead and we throw toxins and antibiotics into the mix, antibiotics, anti-life, you are killing the bacteria that are helping. And if the listeners can kind of conceptualize this, when you're throwing antibiotics or toxins that – get rid of or diminish the beneficial bacteria, which has created a balance, a balanced community within your digestive tract, there are opportunistic bacteria and parasites and other organisms that move in. I mean that makes sense, right? So yeah. if you're in a, a beautiful city and you decide you're going to, I don't know, completely change the tax structure or you know, something else, You know, a plant ends up leaving that was a bulk of the middle class. What ends up moving in there are residents that you may or may not be able to keep the place up. And that's exactly what happens in the microbiome. You have to be eating clean. You have to be eating non-GMO. You have to be staying away from pesticides and herbicides. And that includes other personal health care products and, you know, where other toxins reside to keep those toxins away from your body to make sure that the microbiome is properly balanced. And when it's out of balance, you have things that pop up like C. diff. There's probably a few listeners that recognize that bacteria because that causes a lot of problems, especially when people have things like SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth.
0: And again, these
2: are just fancy terms for dysbiosis. So what these things do in the end is create leaky gut. And leaky gut allows things to leach into the system. That creates inflammation, which is an aging, an artificially aging process, which the body Mm -hmm. does not like. That increases your cortisol level, which decreases your ability to handle stress. And one Uh thing feeds into another. You've got a stressful job, stressful life. That decreases your ability to handle these things, handle the toxins, handle changes. And all of those things decrease your body's ability to fix and repair cells, DNA, Microorganelles within the body, and mm-hmm. when that happens, we've got a term for that called cancer. All so right. we don't like to use the c word, and we want to certainly stay away from that stuff. Yep. Uh, but there are other diseases that crop up sometimes in parallel or as a precursor: liver disease, pancreatic disease, type C diabetes, obesity, <laughs> adrenal fatigue, etc., etc., etc. Hashimoto's. These are types of the Hashimoto's. is an excellent example of. An autoimmune disease that really only creeps up when you have a lot of inflammation in your body. Where would you get a lot of inflammation? If you have a dysbiosis. So, what you said is basically 100% what I talk about in the lectures, and it would be wonderful if the listeners were to understand this at a sort of a deeper
1: level. Yeah. What I said, and I said this today to a reporter that was here at the house at the Urban Farm, I said, it's what you put in and what you put on. We really have to be ultra-conscious about what we're putting in and what we're putting on. Absolutely. So there's
2: been a, a massive shift in our food supply in the last 20 or 30 years. And, and I can go... Now, this conversation can go for hours.
1: But I, <laughs> right. I, I won't, I
2: won't, I'm not going to burden anybody with that. But I will say it's becoming increasingly more difficult to eat cleanly. So yeah. your grandmother probably says, why are you eating all this organic stuff? You're spending a fortune on it. That's kind of... Either you do that... or you grow a garden in your backyard, and those are really your only options because what's happening is a massive consolidation in the food industry, and Mm -hmm. the food industry has partnered with the chemical industry, and they found out that chemicals are more profitable than food. (laughs) That's not a good thing for our health. So that's kind of what's going on.
1: Exactly. Really what we're talking, what I want to kind of address today is twofold increasing nutrition, and decreasing and eliminating environmental toxins. So let's start with increasing okay. nutrition. What and how?
2: Boy, that's a, that's a great question. Now, again, I have hammers, so I see that everything is a nail. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I believe that people have to be eating low-sugar, low-carb diets, mm-hmm. a lot more produce, clean produce, clean fat. So that's the basis of it. So, like, all the things that we talk about, Um, you can kind of almost throw them out the window if you don't have those sort of fundamental building blocks. The body is driven off of the most efficient use of energy is driven off of a ketogenic diet. Again, fancy term for fat-based diet. The problem is that uh, ever since the 80s, we've been confusing a fat-based diet with all of these highly processed synthetic fats. Some petroleum-based, that's a toxin, margarine, just fake stuff. So we have to get back to the healthy fats, and you and I know what those are. That's, you know, palm oil, coconut oil, olive oil, butter. It's a smaller list, but that's essentially what we need to be incorporating into the diet. So if we're eating those things, if we're incorporating superfoods, if we're incorporating cleansing herbs, parsley, cilantro, those types of things on a more or less regular basis, you're going to keep that microbiome pretty happy. Fermented foods, that's a big one. You, know, oh, yeah. you don't have to do it every day, but every once in a while it would be quite beneficial. So that's sort of the place I kind of start with people. Then if you're going to move up sort of the hierarchy, up the pyramid, now we're talking about incorporating things like lemon water in the, in the morning is an absolute must. And I know you and I have talked about this. And the right. reason for that is it kickstarts the bile, which holds all the toxins in the liver from the detoxification that happens during the night. Drops it through the gallbladder so you don't get gallbladder stones drops into the small intestine, and it feeds all that good bacteria. And on top of that, the bile is helping you to break down fat so that you can absorb those good fats that we were just talking about more easily. That's nutrition, right? The other part of this is doing things like incorporating apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar, you know, I know it may not taste all that good, to folks, but the good bacteria, hey, they love it. That's right. something that uh, people ought to be doing on a regular basis. Other, other things sort of on the more extreme side, you could do oregano oil on a regular basis. You could incorporate black seed oil, although don't use too much. These are all antimicrobial, antibacterial. When I say antibacteria, I'm talking about the things that we really don't want in your system, and they come from nature, and our bodies recognize it, and it really is knocking out those things that we don't want and that get sort of in an overgrowth mode. Uh, Candida is a big one. But again, if you're eating a low-sugar, low-carb diet, you're avoiding those things.
1: Uh
2: That's from a pure nutrition standpoint.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, interestingly enough, we we actually do lemon water, apple cider vinegar, fermented foods. Earlier in life for me, I did not like fermented foods. But now sauerkraut, I actually will sit down and eat a cup of it at a time, and I actually like it.
2: Oh, sure, yeah. That and pickles. Those are the two things for me. Yeah.
1: I absolutely love them. Yeah. yeah. And I found that I'm starting to crave the fermented foods, which kind of came as a surprise to me. But then on the other side, it didn't. Very interesting
2: that you say that because I can go into the studies at infinitum. But, of course, there are the studies out there that show that an overgrowth of candida drives the cravings from sugar and carbohydrates. Of course. I mean, vagus nerve connects from our midbrain down to the gut. So the chemicals that are released from the microbes that we have are clearly having an influence over what we end up wanting to put in our mouths, okay? Right. But when you end up eating the fermented food, you are literally, you're adjusting your neurology. There are different neurons that are firing as opposed to the neurons that get a high off of chocolate cake and popcorn and, right. and uh, high fructose corn syrup and that kind of stuff. So you literally are reprogramming your brain And I think if people, when they start to pick up nutritious foods in the beginning, they might be somewhat turned off by the taste because they've trained themselves to like something else. But once they get away from that for a period of time and they're only eating the good stuff, it, it changes. And then all of a sudden you start eating the bad stuff and it tastes like garbage.
1: I've absolutely found that the case for myself. You know, at first it was a little bit odd, but now I don't crave really much of anything. I'm not really ever hungry. And the foods that used to didn't taste so bad, you know, like I'm craving fermented foods. What's that about? You know, right. I'll take it. I'll take it. That <laughs> <Absolutely>. works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's great. So eliminating toxins. That was the second half mm. of what I had spoken to yeah, there. Let's and jump
2: into that because that's, that's a huge topic. So, and of course, anybody who's interested in growing their own fruits and vegetables completely understands this piece of it from at least the food supply. We know that GM food is one of the major conversations that ADM and Monsanto don't want you to have. They would love you to have this conversation of genetic engineering and increasing yield, and we think it's great, and why, not, why aren't we using technology? Hey, we're not using the steam engine anymore, that nonsense, right? Right, But the conversation they don't want to have is because this is an herbicide-resistant piece of produce that farmers are dousing their soil with 10 to 20 to 30 times the amount of toxin than they were before, destroying yeah. the soil, eroding the nutrients, completely compromising the nutrition, and say nothing of the genetic structure of the actual produce that you're eating, which will change the genetic structure of the bacteria in your body, you remove that a couple generations, it will change the DNA in yours. It's just a matter of time. That's a conversation they don't want us to have. Okay, so, but that, that's sort of the toxin part. So everybody knows that to stay away from GM foods. Okay, fine. Some of the other things I think that are kind of interesting are where a lot of the other toxins are coming from. So people don't typically think about personal health care products. All right. Um, They don't think about household cleaner. And if you are cutting a a piece of fruit or avocado or pineapple or whatever on your cutting board in the kitchen, and if you use the heavy-duty cleaner, somehow, some way, that is going to get on your food and it's going to get on your plate. Or it's gotten onto your hands and you end up touching something and you pick up a utensil and – it's going to get into your body one way or another. And it certainly gets into the air, so you're breathing it. So it's it's getting in. So we commonly refer to some of these things as the dirty dozen plus one. And these sort of make up what we refer to as the toxic world. And these are endocrine-disrupting chemicals. And they really screw around with the liver because, of course, the liver is kind of responsible for removing all of these things from your body. Uh So quick few statistics for, for the listeners? Sure. Sound good? Okay. So 80,000 chemicals are produced in the U.S. with 62,000 of them grandfathered in. So these can be chemicals that create all kinds of metabolic problems for people, and of course they do, but they'll never get reviewed and they'll never be pulled off. And, again, that's because industry has such a heavy hand in Washington. Forty-two billion pounds of chemicals are manufactured in the U.S. every day.
1: So whoa, that whoa, whoa, whoa. is
2: an amazing statistic.
1: 42 billion.
2: 42 billion pounds. Wow. I'm not quite sure what that is in tonnage, but it's a lot. Yeah. So just to give folks some framework, what, what does that look like? We've all seen the petroleum tankers going to, like, the 18 wheelers with, with gas going to a gas station and dropping off gas, right? Very big trucks. So 42 billion pounds of chemicals is equivalent to 623,000 tanker trucks. Whoa. And, and that's per day. Right. Whoa. So, and that's a two thousand percent increase in manufactured chemicals in the U.S. in the last fifty years. And so we are clearly going to a more chemical dependent society. Fourteen billion pounds of PVCs are manufactured annually. So that is <laughs> that's something that we definitely don't want. We all know
1: PVCs are dangerous. You said PVC. Uh, no, yes. Polyvinyl chlorides. You got it exactly. Wow, okay.
2: Yep. And it's hard to fight the chemical industry, and that's because they make almost a trillion dollars a year. So a lot of that stuff is going to be filtering into Washington. So that kind of gives us some idea of what we're looking at. Now, actual chemicals. And I know for the listeners, you and I talked about this before. For the listeners, they don't have to write these things down because I'm going to throw them out rather quickly. And I think there's going to be a link back to this article anyway so that they can just follow that. So this is what we call the dirty dozen plus one. Everybody knows about DPA, bisphenol A. They probably are less uh, likely to know about it's bisphenol S. But essentially, it's the same type of chemical structure. They're used in plastic containers. They're used of linings of cans. So, any, and especially dangerous when you're picking up any kinds of fruit that's uh, or uh, produce that's acidic, because it'll the acid will strip the lining right off and go right into the food. That's one of the oh, reasons right. why you shouldn't be buying canned tomatoes unless it says BPA free, B, 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 mm. B, uh, ps free. Okay, so that's a really important one. And okay, of course, again, these are endocrine disrupting chemicals. And for those folks out there, that are not quite sure what that means that means this chemical gets into your body and starts either mimic a hormone, throwing the body off, or interrupting the entire endocrine system, throwing mm-hmm. a whole list of other hormones off. And the hormones, obviously, are sort of super superhighway of the body and could create all kinds of disease as a result. The other things, again, we'll go 30 dozen plus, plus one yeah. here, dioxin. And that's typically found in sanitary pads. And a lot of folks, right. um, we're talking about, it's mainly, it's, it's Bt toxin is in cotton. And people don't think about, well, it's a GMO crop. Who cares? I'm not eating the cotton. Well, if you're putting on underwear or you're using sanitary pads, that's going right into your body. Right. Ultrazine, which is a GMO pesticide. It's found in groundwater near farmland. Phthalates, again, it's in plastic bottles, deodorants, shampoos, fragrances. The little thing that you, you plug into your outlet and it releases those nice smelling fragrances. Yep. Those are failing, and they're not healthy for you. Go back to the essential oils if you can. Arsenic, which, of course, beaches into drinking water. Lead, which makes up makeup and fragrances and lipstick. So especially for the women out there, you need to take a really close look at what you are putting on your face in the morning. Mercury is in mascara, right? Organophosphate pesticides, those are insecticides, and they seem to be everywhere. Fire retardants; those are mainly in construction materials and furniture. But again, you know, we see them a lot in electronics too. So if you buy new electronics, you buy new furniture. It's got that weird smell to it? Yep. Those are endocrine disrupting chemicals. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they slowly leach into your into the air, and it takes about two or three years for that to, that leaching to stop. Glycol ethers; uh, those are cleaning compounds, liquid soaps, and cosmetics. For chlorate, bleach, fertilizers, and uh, often found um, in groundwater, which makes sense, TFCs, again, cleaners, toothpaste, and shampoos, and carabins, yep. so plastics, fragrances, and cleaners. And so those are the things we need to stay away from. I, I oftentimes uh, tell people that when you pick up a bottle of water, make sure that the plastic, the the water is in the plastic bottle is nice and rigid. Because yeah. the more flexibility it has, the more plasticizers are in there, yep. the
1: more leaching takes place. 10 11, 12, 13, 14. So I got 14 of them down. Okay. So I got, well, I guess I I guess I got one more than your dirty dozen plus one.
2: Oh, I put, I put BPAs and, and BPS uh, in the same
1: category. Ah, very good. <laughs> we very we good. can extend it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right. So that is yeah. one hell of a list that you just gave me. What am I supposed to do with that? How do I? <laughs> right, right. Where yeah. do I go? I gave you all the
2: bad news. Let, let's start yeah. with the good news, right? Okay. Yeah. There are a lot of cleaners out there. You take a look at the ingredients on there, and you see something that's 14 liters long. You should stay away from it, right? There are a lot of toothpastes and shampoos out there that say that they're natural. Natural doesn't mean anything. Get things that are organic. Get them essential oil-based. Clean your house with baking soda and vinegar. I do it myself. It gets things very clean. You can can use bleach if you'd like for certain, you know, uh, hard-to-clean areas. So that takes care of almost all of your cleaning needs. And we're not talking about expensive ingredients either. You could buy this stuff by the pound for a few bucks. So I think, you know, again, that the industries have convinced us we need these really harsh chemically-laden, endocrine-disrupting chemicals in order to clean our house. It's dangerous. It's avoidable to just avoid it. When you take a look at toothpaste. You know, I know a lot of people who uh, pick up, say, Tom's toothpaste, and they're like, well, Mm -hmm. I know this is clean. It's not. Uh, They were picked up by Colgate, and there's all kinds of stuff in there now that I I would never end up uh, putting in my mouth. And again, you're putting it in your mouth. So it's being absorbed at a high rate, and a lot of times you're swallowing parts of that stuff, and it's doing damage. I use earth paste. I'm, I'm not a salesperson for them. I take no commission. That's a good one. The base cleaner in that is volcanic ash. And the minerals in there actually benefit the dentin on your teeth. So I feel like I'm doing a lot of things that are good. I suppose you can ingest it. I I guess it would be okay.
1: Yeah, Um, that's not going to bother you. It would
2: be okay. Yeah, I don't know if it would be beneficial necessarily, but it certainly would be okay. So, you know, those are the types of things you need to look at everything that you come in contact with. The lotions, that's a big one. Go pick up the lotions in your house and take a look at all the ingredients in there. A lot of them are you know, laden with stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, I find pegging those things, you know, polyethylene glycol, those are wow. things that absolutely do not belong in the body and create havoc on the liver.
1: Now, there's there's an <laughs> app out there. I'm trying to. I'm racking my brain as you're talking about this for uh, healthcare products. By is it the EWG that has an app out there for what's in the chemicals? Oh, chemics? they are fantastic.
2: Yeah, they're fantastic. Now, I, I know that recently they came under fire because I think the Trump administration uh, had made yeah. comments about them or something. So they're in the news. So hopefully people know who they are. I believe they're a nonprofit. They do yeah. independent testing. And I will say that I have yet to find any of the studies that they have conducted that haven't been 100% correct. And I don't see any conflicts of interest uh, in there, I'll let you know if that starts. But there, yeah, that's a wonderful place to go to get some really good information. And they do all kinds of analysis. They do analysis on sunscreens, on toothpaste, yep. on you know these things that we're talking about.
1: And they have a they have a ranking system. Zero is the best, and ten is the worst on their products. So I yeah. just went to ewg.org/apps/apps, and on that page. Comes up, it says healthy living just got easier. And they have apps that you can scan the product, the UPC code on, and it will give you the rating. On Oh, they're phenomenal.
2: I didn't know that. I got to get yeah. that app myself.
1: So, EWG.org backslash apps, and I know they have it available for the iPhone because I've had it on my iPhone before. That's actually one that Heidi uses a lot for deciphering what's in products and because it'll it, you know it kind of starts to educate us on what's in the stuff and do we really need to be <laughs> consuming that yeah right and you know what it could be mind-numbing so that's a great oh, yeah. to be and i mean we don't typically walk down the aisle with uh, an
2: organic chemist and even if you did you'd spend all day in the aisle so that's
1: a great app for folks exactly so the apps for education yeah. i absolutely love it. love 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 that Let's actually, where I want to go next, and I suspect LiverMedic addresses this to a certain extent, and I'd like to talk about that. We've started eliminating the toxins from our space, but we live in a toxic world. And, you know, we have all of these chemicals and the stuff that's in our body. What do we do about that?
2: Right. And I think that we're getting into this discussion about sort of anti-aging. Well, what is aging? Aging is really the breakdown of, what you were given at birth, and how does that stuff break down? It breaks down because we incur a higher level of toxins that our body can really filter out. Uh, But it's not – our bodies are incredible instruments. They are able to regenerate. Every seven years, the cell in the body regenerates. We are able to filter things out. So it's just a matter of believing that food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So if we focus on foods, and in certain cases, we focus on both education and and supplements, supplements sort of put you on, we like to say, we put you in sort of the, the fast lane when you need to get out of a situation that is detrimental, and then you can get back to eating healthy and maintaining a healthy lifestyle, sometimes without them. That's sort of the direction that we like to see people go in.
1: Inside of your liver medic company, so I'm on your website, and you have two right on the front. One is liver detox, So we're getting back to the the
2: anti-aging. Yeah,
1: right. cleanse, yeah. So, uh,
2: again, if everyone was eating healthily and exercising and doing all of the proper things, you'd never need uh, any of the supplements that we put together, nor would you really need to be reading any of the articles that we put up, and that would be fine with me. Unfortunately, one in three people in this country have liver disease, fatty liver, the epidemic of type 2 diabetes has skyrocketed. That is a Mm -hmm. direct result of problems with the liver because that's the regulatory organ. Mm, Uh, Inflammation, just in general, is by and large initiated in the GI tract. For those folks out there who are taking the Nexium, the purple pill, because they're getting heartburn, uh, that is a a direct relationship to SIBO uh, and leaky gut. So that dysbiosis is increasing the pH in your stomach so that it doesn't hit those nice low acid levels. It won't engage the pyloric sphincter and stomach acid goes right up the esophagus and creates problems. So you take the purple Mm. pill to neutralize the stomach acid so you don't feel the pain. That creates more of a problem, creates more SIBO, creates more inflammation. We've got adrenal fatigue now. So you get caught. And what we're trying to do is for those folks that are caught in this, And things are getting worse and doctors, especially the conventional ones, are saying, you know, this is just part of aging. I've got another pill for you. We're trying to educate folks and say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not the way it goes. Don't take another pill. It's making things worse. Let's go the natural route. We can unwind this thing, but you Mm -hmm. need to sort of stay the course and stay on a specific regimen. So that's kind of the discourse that we discuss on liver medics. So we have and, you know, when we first started out, we were only focused on the liver. I mean, we knew the fatty liver was a big problem. Right. Uh, and it wasn't – we wasn't driven by alcohol anymore. Seventy-five percent of it is non-alcoholic. It's driven by food. So the things wow. we were talking about before, that's creating it. Right. So, look, we just – we stuck with the liver and we made a couple of products, the uh, red palm oil and the hepatadin, which were getting great results in the labs. You know, the physicians, the functional, the integrative uh, physicians, naturopaths were using this on their clients. Mm-hmm. And the liver enzyme counts were coming way down, which means that liver cells did not, weren't dying anymore, and there was regeneration taking place. Oh, Perfect. nice. That's exactly what we want. Right. The problem was they were coming back to us and saying, look, you've only solved one of the problems, because as soon as they come off the product, they're going back into that disease state again. Mm. So... We had to figure out well what's the precursor for this. We knew it was leaky gut. Well, how do we resolve that? And the physicians were saying, "Look, you got to get rid of this dysbiosis issue. It's candida overgrowth, it's pathogens, yeah. it's biofilm." To which I said, "What's biofilm?"
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> so uh... you should tell us what that is because I- I'm familiar with it.
2: Sure. So biofilm is the there's a mucosal lining in the stomach, and there are pathogens. There are parasites, there's metals, there's candida, there's all kinds of stuff that's sort of sitting in there. And alone, our own immune system can pretty much take care of it provided it doesn't get into a massive overgrowth. Well, what happens is over time they have a tendency like the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, this is the opposite. So these enemies end up finding each other, sort of balling up, and, and they're able to shield themselves from our own immune system, the IgA. And when they do that, they form double bonds, thanks to the metals involved. Those are ionic bonds. They cannot be broken. The only thing that breaks ionic bonds are very strong naturally occurring enzymes. Yep. Um, so we had to throw a seropeptase into the mix. That's the best one out there. The one's enterocoded, the one we make. And the enterocoding is obviously non-toxic, which is not the case with a lot of seropeptase out there. Right. So seropeptics, we have to throw that into the mix. And then, of course, we have candida complex, and candida complex takes care of candida and a lot of other pathogens because it has black walnuts and worm root in there, and those are the things that go after not only candida but a lot of the other stuff that we don't want. So when we throw those things into the mix, then the physicians are coming back and saying, this is good. We're taking care of oftentimes if people have C. diff uh, overgrowth, take mm-hmm. care of that. A lot of there's been instances where H. pylori was an issue. So again, we are addressing overgrowth issues that typically were addressed with antibiotics and are now being treated herbally. And when we look at some of these overgrowths that take place, especially with SIBO, it's a very difficult thing to treat. Oftentimes they'll end up treating it with an antibiotic called rifaximin. Mm-hmm. And typically within a year or so, 50% of people end up now having SIBO again. So yeah, if they go the herbal route, that's declined. It doesn't, not 100%, but it declined. So when we're talking about inflammation and we get the dysbiosis under control, you no longer have the leakage through the gut lining. You're not spiking up the, the immune system. That means the cortisol levels are normal. You're not stressing your adrenal glands. That means you can handle stress better. You're not interrupting your sleep because that cortisol is not being secreted far into the afternoon and the evening hours. For folks that have Hashimoto's disease, that means that the autoimmune response goes down quite a bit. For those folks that are suffering from slower metabolism, they they think that's probably an aging thing. To a certain degree it is, but to a a vast degree it is not. What's taking place is the cortisol is negatively impacting your metabolic rate so when we bring that back into balance, your metabolism goes up a bit. This is a positive feedback loop. That sends a message to the digestive tract that it can start feeding up the muscle contraction again. And that makes sure that the underdigested food or the or the food that's being digested in the in the digestive tract doesn't sit there for long periods of time feeding the bad bacteria. Right. So there's a number of things we're doing here to increase health.
1: Cool. So your website, I'll just throw this out, livermedic.com. It's a great website, and there's great information there. Thank you for that.
2: No no problem, and I will say that in the coming months, we're going to try to start a, a nonprofit. You know, I'm going to go ahead and write a book because that's one of the things that people keep on telling me. Hey, you know yeah. what? Your information you write is great. It so down. I need to be able to bring home and read it. But yeah. Okay, okay, I'm getting the message, so we're going to do that. But the real purpose of this is to bring physicians and holistic healers on that know a heck of a lot more than I do. And I know you know, I'm spitting out a lot of things to the listeners that they may not know. But again, I listen to the folks that know more than I do and, and I think it would be great to be exposed to that kind of stuff. So anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. I want you. you've used this term a couple of times since we started and I kinda want you to address it just to, so that people get an understanding of what it is. And let's not spend a lot of time on it, but you said metabolic syndrome.
2: Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, physicians will, you know, they'll have somebody come into the office and they'll take a look at them and say, ah, you have metabolic syndrome. And it sounds terrible, but essentially what it is is it's a cascade. This is the cascade that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. So poor diet, dysbiosis, leaky gut, inflammation, those toxins flow into the body, They stress the liver. You have fatty liver now. That ends up making the individual pre-diabetic or have type 2 diabetes. All of the toxins and probably increased amounts of sugar in the system create increased amounts of cholesterol. That increases those. Some of those are major indicators for increased blood pressure. You get cardiovascular issues as a result, and because you have leaky gut. A lot of times you'll end up, some of these things will pass the blood-brain barrier and and cause cognitive issues. And it will throw in adrenal fatigue in there, too, obviously. So that is sort of the classic metabolic syndrome. So if a doctor ends up saying that, he's put together a lot of different pathways, and you really do need to address them right away. Yeah.
1: And we address them by what we put in and what we put on, right? You
2: got it. Exactly. It comes back to the basics.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. There was something else that you said earlier that I kind of wanted to retouch back on. And One of my team members, her name is Taylor, she's in her mid-20s, and she and I were having this conversation the other day, and the conversation went like this. Taylor's 25, and I have surmised that we have had a polluted food system for about 25 years, 25, maybe 30 years. So Taylor has spent her entire life with this. Me, on the other hand, I'm 55. I've essentially had half of my life in this process of bad food, bad toxic chemicals. My mom, who is 81 now, has only spent about a third of her life in this mess of the food system, bad food, lots of chemicals. And what what I really proposed to her was that the youngers, the millennials, the people that are in their teens and 20s are going to have to be much more cognizant of what they're putting in and what they're putting on because they've had it the whole time.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. You're right. So my 92-year-old grandparents are living without being particularly diligent about what they eat because they had a good 40 or 50 years where they weren't exposed to these things. And that's not true for the rest of us. And I think what we're seeing is – a socioeconomic lifespan determiner. So, in other words, yep. folks yep. that don't pay attention, aren't educated enough, don't have the money, you're literally going to die sooner. And yep. that's an awful, awful thing, but that's the result of this sort of chemical soup. Yeah.
1: So, I got a master's degree from Arizona State University in environmental planning about, wow, a decade ago. <laughs> time, time flies. <laughs> and one of the studies that we looked at back then found that our parents are going to live the longest. So my 81 year old mom yeah. is going to have the longest lifespan and it goes downhill from there. Wow. Yeah. You know, and that's right. gotta
2: be a first. That's gotta be a uh, human history first.
1: Yeah, it is. That's what, you know, that's what they, exactly what they were saying. That's Incredible. exactly for those youngers out there that are listening, the millennials and pre 30 year olds, this is going to be even much more so important to learn this, understand it. And, do something about it.
2: Yeah, and you know, I I was listening to a speaker the other day and he just had such a great point. We don't inherit the earth from our ancestors, we borrow it from yeah. future generations. Yeah. And quite honestly, I'm not so sure my generation has done a very good job to it. That's one of the reasons why I'm focused on it now. But once you get into this, once you understand what's going on, the chemicals that are out there, the food that you eat, the water you drink, you cannot help, but become an advocate, politically active, it just comes with the territory. The, the forums that I go to, the, the memberships that I'm involved in, the different organizations that I belong to, they're all health-related, and all of them sort of speak with the same tongue, and that yeah. is get on the politicians, change the world, get rid of the chemical companies, get rid of the GMO stuff, clean the water, strengthen the EPA, that's it. That's the ball
1: game. yeah, fantastic. And I'm going to say amen to that. Thank you for being <laughs> with me tonight. Once again, absolutely amazing data and and a great conversation. And thank you, you know, thank you for doing what you're doing in the world and being a stand for a healthier life and a healthier environment.
2: Well, thank you very much. And I think our conversation is resonating with a lot of listeners out there, and they yeah. are going to be doing things. Um, in, in many cases, much greater than what I could accomplish on my yeah. own. So that's fantastic. Well, well and, Thank you to those folks.
1: Yeah, and, it, you know, our job is to plant the seeds. Yeah,
2: right, exactly. And me as exactly. a farmer,
1: not just planting seeds in the ground, but metaphorically plant the seeds. And, you know, I know I get a lot of input from people thanking me for the work I'm doing and planting seeds for people growing their own food. It's very clear to me that you're doing the same in the health arena.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. You're doing a, a fantastic job and it's very important. And yeah. everybody needs to more. Or less. It's karma. It's karma. Yeah. And uh, There you go. It's the ripple in the pond.
1: It's good stuff.
0: Well, thank you and thank everybody for listening.
1: Thanks for joining us tonight.
0: Nature doesn't waste energy and by using these natural cycles to work in our favor, we can harvest both plants and fish. Let us teach you how. Just text GROWFISH To 33444 or visit iwanttogrowfish.com and you will receive our free webinar on how to grow your own fish-powered garden.
2: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org.